Hey guys, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Gracie. And we're your spooky neighbors. But I'm a creep. And I'm a weirdo. What the hell are we doing here? This week, we are talking about Dennis DePew. Did you know who that guy was? I I know now. You know who now. He is. Yeah. I I didn't know before we did this episode who he was. So, what are some of your favorite nostalgic horror movies? My first favorite horror movie was Jeepers Creepers. Is that Are you being serious? I'm dead serious. Wow. Dead serious. I Like is that loved. one that like literally scared the shit out of you when you were a kid? I mean Or you know, teenager, whatever it was. I was like a young teenager when I first saw it and it was my favorite because I love Justin Long and his rose oh tattoo on his belly button. I watched that wow. movie over and over and over again. Just and also for the song. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those beepers? Jeepers, creepers. Where'd you get those eyes? Ah, yes. Um, That one, okay, so that movie, I remember, actually legitimately scared me when I was in middle school, high school, something along those lines. I rode a different bus than my friends because we were just a neighborhood away from each other. Mm. So I took their bus, and I was always afraid to walk back home because it was just that extra distance after watching horror movies at my friend Andrea's house that... Ooh, and he's going to smell your fear. I know. So, I, down so on I, rem- I remember walking back home that day after watching Jeepers Creepers, and I'm like, I'm legitimately creeped out here. So Dennis DePew, this one is a really fun one, guys. If you've seen the movie Jeepers Creepers, let me know if this sounds familiar, this intro here. On the 15th of April, 1990, Ray and Marie Thornton were driving along quiet Snow Perry Road in Coldwater, Michigan. As they drove, they played a game they'd made up, trying to make words and phrases out of number plates that passed them. Mm, That's a fun one. I've got one for you. Yeah? Yeah, the license plate game. So you read somebody's random ass license plate and you make a hilarious, disgusting phrase out of it. Stay tuned, Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. As the green 1984 Chevrolet truck passed them at high speed, Marie won that round of the game. The GZ on the plate made her exclaim, geez, he must be in a hurry. Is that <laughs> the game that you're talking about? Where no, you just... we, we played it a little differently. Oh. <laughs> so if like the license plate is randomly 94DGF89, you would just make a phrase out of the DGF. Oh. Like, don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. Or something way more creative than that. But anyway... So they would just make phrases about, or they would like read a license plate and try to like figure out what it's supposed to say. I think that's how they did it in the movie, right? That sure is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So they were playing the license plate game. The GZ on the plate made her exclaim, geez, he must be in a hurry. The couple continued on their amble and it wasn't until, it wasn't long until they passed an old schoolhouse and saw a man trying to dispose of a white sheet. That was covered in blood. Hmm, that's not suspicious at all. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> so Marie saw a vehicle parked between the school and a large 
tank and knew immediately that it was the same Chevrolet that had overtaken them earlier. Hmm, interesting. The pair continued driving to find a phone, and Marie wrote down what she remembered of the license plate. However, their journey was interrupted when they saw the truck coming up quickly behind them. (gasps) It followed them closely for a few miles and eventually turned off the road into a lay-by. Ray and Marie needed to see the license plate again to give the police more information, so they turned around and went back to find the truck. Wow. Wow, wow. That's brave. As they passed, a tall man wearing a white hat was standing at the back of the vehicle with the doors open, changing the number plates. Oh, okay. He'd also left the passenger door ajar, and the interior was visibly covered in a large amount of blood. Oh, shit. Ray and Marie could only imagine what the man had done, but they would soon find out on the news. Um, okay, so what happened? Like, did he come after them? Did they run? Like, because he obviously saw them. Stay tuned. <laughs> this is what, this is about, <gasps> this is about the guy of what they saw in the news. And here's a little bit about his life, too. And then we will lead back up to that scene. I'm like, which on was suspense. inspired by Jeepers Creepers. Not officially. No, I, I think it was back. unofficially inspired. Yes. Because the movie did not release those details, but it's, I mean, a scene for scene, like depiction of what happens. Oh, yeah. We are going to post that in the description for you guys to, yeah. Also, go watch Jeepers Creepers. Yes, please do. Justin Long. the season Mm. for that. Gold. Just do it. Yeah. Do it right now. The Creeper. After, actually, after you listen to this episode, then go watch Jeepers Creepers. It's really cute because it's like a brother, sister, like going on a cross- country like road trip and they're just like sibling bickering yeah. back and forth and it's hilarious like early 2000s style it's uh, it's great early 2000s style <laughs> love it um yeah the actual true details were were that it was a couple not brother and sister but i do appreciate that they did that in a movie because mm-hmm. not a lot of movies do that dynamic they're just like oh they're gonna get together and then they're gonna fuck and then they're gonna get murdered <laughs> and that's usually the trope So that was nice that it was completely different. It was because they were just being total assholes to each other, but then actually like having to be there for one another. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that sketchy mofo that was, you know, chasing them down on the side of the road. And throwing bloody white linens somewhere. In places where he shouldn't. That's, you know, obviously out in the open. And having a, a van full of blood. That dumbass was 46-year-old Dennis DePew, who murdered his 48-year-old estranged wife, Marilyn. Dude, not cool. Yeah, so no spoilers here. We're just going to tell you right now that the husband did it. Yeah, I think that's obvious. Yeah. So Dennis was a cold water resident for the past 20 years, and during his early life, he lived in Burr Oak, Michigan. He graduated from Burr Oak High School and received a bachelor's degree in business education from Michigan State University. He was employed more than 20 years for the state of Michigan in the Department of Treasury as a property tax specialist. (laughs) Specialist. 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 He also had taught business education in Portland, Oregon, and in Los Angeles, California. His wife was a Coldwater High School guidance counselor. Aw. I know. So sweet. They had been married for several years and raised three children. However, there was great tension in their marriage. After he became withdrawn, he accused her of turning their children against him. Okay. 
Their divorce wasn't a surprise. Marilyn confided in friends that Dennis was a bully, she was unhappy, and she wanted a divorce. Finally, in 1989, after 18 years of marriage, Marilyn did the damn thing. Yeah, go Marilyn! She did. She told her attorney that Dennis was trying to ruin her life and would not let her make decisions of her own. So she said, fuck this guy. And she got out. Yeah, girl! Well, she didn't get out of the house. She stayed in the house. And Uh, meanwhile, yeah, he tried to keep the marriage intact, but to no avail. The divorce was finalized in December 1989. However, during those agreements, Dennis was forthcoming and offered Marilyn whatever she wanted from the settlement. I'm so sure. So sure. Right? Yeah. Right. You can have everything you want. Just, you know, stay with me. The house, the money, the pension. Cool. Take it all. Uh, yeah. It, mm, doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm. In exchange, Dennis was granted joint custody as part of the divorce settlement, which allowed him to see the kids bi-weekly. But despite not living in the house anymore, he was still using the guest house as an office. Um. So, yeah, I'm just going to move out, but I'm going to stay here in the guest house. So I'm basically still here. Uh, yeah, so, uh, mm. I wouldn't be quite okay with that. Uh, yeah. Mm. It's not far enough removed. It's just like, you know, raising a yellow flag here. Yep. A yellow to orange. Okay. Okay. Get the fuck out, honestly. (laughs) Noted. Yeah. So this was believed to be an excuse so that he can keep tabs on his family and maintain some level of control over them. Yep. That sounds about right. Exactly. Okay. And Marilyn was terrified of her ex-husband and changed the locks to all the doors, all the windows, but somehow he always managed to find some way to enter the home when no one was around. Huh. So she was smart about it, too. She changed all the locks. So he's a, he's a lockpick, too, huh? Mm. Sneaky mofo. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, so now we're getting some red flags here, right? Yeah, orange yeah. to red. We're moving up. Yep, and the kids picked up on this. At this point, the youngest, Scott, is about 12 Julie is 17, and Jennifer is 18. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they're pretty young, but definitely old enough to know that their dad is pulling some shade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, they were reluctant to spend time with their father, but that didn't stop Dennis from seeing them. On Easter Sunday, April 15th, 1990, Dennis went over to his ex-wife's home to pick up two of their children. Their younger daughter, Julie, had already refused to go with him. The others quickly followed suit. When he went inside, their son Scott was reluctant to go. A fight erupted between the children and Dennis, and Marilyn joined in, attempting to talk Dennis and defuse the argument completely. But he redirected his anger towards his ex-wife. He screamed at her and accused her of turning his children against him. In a complete rage, He grabbed her and pushed her down the stairs. Oh, no. At the bottom, he continued to beat her, even after their children pleaded with him to stop. Oh, my God. Their oldest daughter, Jennifer, ran to a neighbor's house to call the police. Uh, yeah. But on Jennifer's return, Dennis carried a seriously injured Marilyn back up the stairs and told his children that he was taking Marilyn to the hospital. They, however, never arrived at any of the nearby emergency rooms because 
Dennis decided to take a little detour. Oh my God. He just, oh, that is so messed up in front of the kids. In front of the kids. Yep. Yeah. And she's the one that turned the kids against him. Yep. That sounds. No, it it sure sounds like he pushed them away. Yeah. And was probably a total asshole. God. I can't. He pushed her down the stairs and then went down to like beat her further. Because I I just imagine how this argument is kind of unfolding of just like, listen, you know, things have been like, we need space right now as a family. Like we need time to heal from this because we just got a divorce. The sirens agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part that we left off seeing the fight unfold, like I just see her saying like, hey, listen, we need some space here as a family. We literally just got a divorce and got out of this situation that, you know, maybe the kids need some time to adjust. And mm-hmm. you're also, you know, kind of pushing these boundaries by breaking into our fucking house while you're <laughs> staying in the guest house. Boundaries. And using it as what? An office? Boundaries. Boundaries. Rainbows right. over your head. Boundaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the kids picked up on this tab and we're just like, you know, no, we, we really shouldn't see dad. No. Like, Mm-mm. he's kind of going off on the deep end. But then this, this. That is, like, completely losing your shit. Those poor children. Broke. Just, oh, my yeah, God. This have is to only like an, Yeah, this is only, like, an 89, 90s. So, I yeah. mean, and I'm sure, like, God, those poor, yeah, young adults now are scarred. Adults, not even young adults. They were young adults when it happened. Yeah. In 1990. Grace, that was 30 years ago. Damn. <laughs> wow, time is weird. Yep. Time is weird. Time is so weird. <laughs> I don't like thinking about time. <laughs> that was the year before uh, my birth. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So Dennis decided to take a little detour. And so we're going to just flash forward right back to that opening scene, that car chase. Huh. Later that afternoon was when he sped past Ray and Marie Thornton, who noticed his license plate said GZ. Geez, he must be in a hurry. A hurry off the deep end or something. Yeah. Far more sinister. Something far more sinister, yes. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So, then when they saw him by the school later that afternoon, he was actually disposing of the sheet he used to transport Marilyn's dead body. Wow. Dennis must have seen that the Thorntons noticed, so he got back into his van and aggressively followed them for several miles. That's creep. You see that, like, do you, do you imagine that, that swerve? That oh, yeah. swerve, that truck swerve? Did, did he, like, go up and ra- ram their car like it happened in the movie? I mean, he was aggressively following them for several miles, so I could imagine that he's probably tailgating them. He's trying to act bigger than them. He's trying to scare them off because they may have witnessed a crime scene. And they sure fucking did. And they sure did. Or at least the remnants of it. And eventually, Dennis pulled off to the side of the road and decided to get rid of more evidence, the license plate. But the Thorntons were already on it, despite being followed and nearly run off the road twice yeah they decided to turn around and get the full license plate of dennis brave stupid brave heroic heroic you go thorntons you go (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
but they see him changing it and also see that there is blood all over the side passenger door. Ray and Marie Thornton decided to return back to the school, which is where they found the bloody sheet in an animal hole. Oh, that's okay. So I was going to ask earlier where the sheet had been stuffed mm. or what he did with it in an animal hole. Like in an animal hole. Yeah. Like a little I know. groundhog groundhog hole or something like that. I, I just I just think that that's the most that's the worst place that you can shove it. A like, squirrel hollow. A, a squirrel hollow. <laughs> Like, like, uh, how, like, what animal are we talking? Was it a bear cave? Was right. it a chipmunk hole? Like, a snake? A sheet would need to fit in a pretty big hole, I would imagine. So I just imagine this, you know, bloody sheet that's like just a tiny bit like a corner is shoved into a chipmunk hole. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, this guy is a dumbass. Wow, good job, dude. <laughs> like way too seriously no. dispose of the evidence. Everyone take notes, please. Was it at least an abandoned school or was it like... No, I'm sure it wasn't. Wow, dude. Like, why a school? Like, I'm just going to leave this bloody sheet at a fucking school. That's... No. Mm-mm. I don't like it. I hate it. Oh, wait a second. Um, It says it's a school, but it didn't specify in anything that I found that it was the school that she worked at. So I'm going to go ahead and say that oh. it wasn't the school she worked at. But oh. that would be really fucked up if it was. Huh. Yeah, it certainly would be. Um, I'm sure that that would have been plastered on all the sources that I was yeah. reading if it was. Probably somewhere not so I'm well guessing populated. it's an old schoolhouse. You know, it's almost kind of like churchy oh, looking. yeah, like one of those of like school. backwoods, yeah. like small country kind yeah. of schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which would look like an old church that would depict in the movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mental pictures there. But then hold on a second. Do they fall down a hole in the movie? It's like a gigantic drain pipe. Okay. Okay. Hold on. We're just we're just taking notes here right now. That the sheet was buried into a probably chipmunk hole. <laughs> and then you have a huge drain pipe. Okay. We'll, we'll do some more comparisons later, but mm -hmm. just something to note there. Yeah, so after Ray and Marie Thornton contacted the police, they learned that this man that they had seen was Dennis. When police and forensics arrived on the scene, the Michigan State Police and Sheriff's Office had already begun their manhunt for Dennis following the call from Jennifer. So there's two different calls that came in from Ray and Marie Thornton and the other one from his daughter. Mm -hmm. So his daughter okay. reporting the domestic violence dispute and then them saying hey this guy tried running us off the road and we see blood in his car dude that sucks for the daughter though like to have to call the police on your to own father that, yeah oh my god and that was the oldest one too she was 18 that sucks yeah that okay i mean Ooh. yeah there's <laughs> there's so much there's so much that's, happening that's so not right oh god and there's a lot more layers that are about to be added to the story mm. Like this okay. is a, this is a very brief story, but also it's a very like it's going to blow your mind. Ooh, okay. The area was taped off, and nearby forensics found tire tracks and a pool of blood. The tire tracks were linked to Dennis's van because you know he peeled out of that same schoolhouse parking lot to follow Ray and Marie. Oh, yeah, okay. So they're like, okay, that adds up. Mm -hmm. And later they found that the blood was matched to Marilyn's. Uh huh. Yep. 
Based on that evidence, it was pretty obvious to investigators that he killed her. Uh, yeah, there's there's no question there. Oh, They're like, like, dude, we see the chipmunk hole. Yeah. You have been caught. But they don't have a body yet. The next day, Marilyn's death was confirmed. Highway workers discovered her body in the brush near a deserted road, halfway between home and the schoolhouse. She had been shot once in the back of the head. Oh, my God. I don't remember gunshots being mentioned. For the movie, I mean, it's just pretty much like a creeper that's just like just chilling on top of your van and just like, ha, I'm going to kill you. Oh, yeah. But like not from like the family or like the incidents beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he just. That like how did. Yeah, you're right. I was trying to keep tabs on which like side <laughs> of the spectrum, so, like in comparison. Right. Of, the, to of the case. Creepers. Yeah. Not in Jeepers Creepers, but of the case. Like he yeah. pushed her down the stairs. And then went down to beat her more because he's a terrible, disgusting human being. And then he carried her up and into the van and said he was going to bring her to the hospital. But nowhere in there was there a, gun. a gunshot. Yeah. But then suddenly there is a gunshot. But she has a gunshot wound at the back of her head. So what the fuck? I'm not sure where the gun came from. I guess we'll but... we can speculate more as the story unfolds. Yeah. In the days following his wife's murder, Dennis went on the run and sent several bizarre rambling letters to friends and family. There were 17 letters in total, with various postmarks from Virginia, Iowa, and Oklahoma. In them, they were full of long rants where he tried to justify Marilyn's death. Did he flee after this? Is he yes, like Yes, so he's on the run and he's sending like all these postmarks to family and friends and he's like it was an accident or like we're actually about to get a quote right now from his exact words. He said, quote, "Marilyn had many, many opportunities to treat me fairly during this divorce and she chose to string it out, trick me, lie to me, and when you lose your wife, children and home, there's not much left. I was too old to start over." Unquote. So that's just justification for killing your ex-wife? Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't think so. No. The, this guy, honestly, he's he's probably the most annoying case of I would never, like if he wasn't related to Jeepers Creepers, like he's just a piece of human garbage that yeah. can just like easily rot and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't really deserve an honorable mention from anything from podcasting communities. Yeah. So we're just going to call this guy a a dumbass. He's a dumbass. Ooh, you know what? Now that you have like that DGF, I'm going to slowly get something. It's going to stand for Dennis and then G and then F. I don't know yet, but let's fill in the blanks as we go. Can we just switch it to DFG for dumb fucking guy? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so it's the license plate said DFG. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three months after Marilyn's murder, Dennis sent another letter. This time it was 13 pages in length. Wow. And quoted verses from the Bible and contained more ramblings. Hmm. I tried to find the letter and could not. Probably also justifying himself. Making, yeah. Trying to make himself feel good about what he did. Mm, yeah, that's one yeah. of those things like when you Sorry. use the Bible and it just tries to cleanse the fact that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Sorry, you can't cleanse that sin. Mm, you can't. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Should. <laughs> Just don't kill your wife, dude. You were already oh, divorced. Damn. Like, what? No. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, there's moments where you can just try to look at the psychology of killers and try to, like, 
see what the fuck is going on in their brain, even if we can barely even understand that and scratch the surface. Mashed potatoes is what's going on. It's literal mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's But it's not like the regular good kind. It's like the instant Oh, box. it's instant, like spuds And you're just adding whatever. water. Yeah. <laughs> and you're adding down watered Bible, ver- Bible verses. <laughs> Nasty-ass of- mashed potato brain. <laughs> no. And this murder and manhunt for Dennis DePew, it ended up becoming huge. So as much as like we're shit talking about this case right now, it was a big fucking deal back then. How long was, do you know how long he was on, the manhunt went for? Actually, Unsolved Mysteries aired the episode of Dennis DePew's crime on March 20, 1991, nearly a year after the murder. Oh my God. Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. A year? Yeah. I'm surprised mashed potato brains lived that long. Out on his own. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. We're going to come back for a a quick break. I'm going to vape and die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Mashed potatoes can live on their own. (laughs) They have a very short expiration. Dude. Okay, sometimes if you just leave potatoes in your cabinet... They can grow spuds and roots. Or they will turn into mush. Liquid, nasty, rotten mush. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You're welcome, everybody. Don't leave potatoes in your your pantry. Just eat them up. Eat them up while they're fresh. Are you remembering me last year? Well, that happened to me, too. Oh, shoot. Okay, we can... Okay. (laughs) I'm not not calling you out. Oh, thank God. No, I've seen it. Oh, wow. I've seen it. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was like the it turned nuclear. I don't know if that's possible for a potato. But to rot, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. But I mean, I guess I live upstairs, so it's super humid. So the lifespan of a potato is much, much shorter. Um, the lifespan of this potato, Dennis DePew, was about a year. That's pretty impressive, I gotta say. Yeah. And he ended up becoming the, you know, not the spud growing root growing potato it was the toxic waste i need to <laughs> bleach everything yes yeah um please tell me that that episode of unsolved mysteries was what brought him in oh girl please oh girl i'm waiting okay okay at 8 30 p.m on the night of the broadcast the night of the broadcast okay that night that night a woman named mary arrived at her home in dallas texas And she was surprised to see her boyfriend's vehicle in the driveway. When she opened the front door, she was confronted by her boyfriend, Hank Queen, who told her he had to leave soon because his mother was very sick. He asked Mary to make him some sandwiches for the road while he packed several items into a suitcase. What Hank was really doing was trying to keep Mary busy so she didn't have to see the broadcast of Dennis DePew playing in the background. A few minutes later, Hank packed up his, ready for it? Bloody white cheat. Packed up his green 1984 Chevrolet van and gave his girlfriend a hug. Hank. He's not Hank. Mary never saw the man again, but would soon find out who he really was. Later that night, Mary learned that Hank was actually Dennis and that he had just been featured on the broadcast. Wow. Oh, poor Mary. 
That's a terrible way to find out that your boyfriend's a killer. And you just made him fucking sandwiches for the road? <laughs> that I'm is crying. tragic. I'm that is crying. That is tragic. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, so after she had just seen that her boyfriend that she had made sandwiches for was on the broadcast, that bitch, yeah, she believes that he was watching it, which caused him to leave. Mary's friend was the one to call into the hotline reporting her boyfriend's friend was Dennis DePew. She gave the operator his license plate number and where they thought he was going. And just four hours later, Dennis was located. Hey, yeah. Louisiana state troopers soon spotted Dennis's van and they attempted to pull him over. He led them into Mississippi on a 15-mile high-speed chase and broke through two police barricades. Whoa. Warren County Sheriff Paul Barrett told his team to shoot out the truck's tires if they couldn't stop Dennis, and they succeeded, hitting both back wheels. Yes. Dennis managed to drive on the rims for half a mile. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just imagine, like, sparks, like, in this horrible screeching noise. And oh, for half a mile. For half a bad. mile before the car eventually gave up and stopped. He fired three shots with his gun, two toward the police officers with one bullet going through the windshield, the second through an open window, then he turned the gun around with the third bullet, and he shot himself. Oh, I hate it. No. Yeah. Another one of our true crime cases where the dude is a little bitch, ends in a high-speed chase, and shooting himself. Can't face justice. Because you knew you fucked up. Damn, all these mashed potato brains. Ugh. In a later interview, Barrett said, quote, My wife and I had just watched the TV program about him, and the next morning I'm with other officers firing into his van. I'd say that's not going to happen every day. No? No. What are the odds? What are the odds? He's just watching it with his wife, and he's like, wow, this guy. And then, yeah, I shot out that guy. <laughs> like, I shot out his back tires with my team. Yeah. I almost got him. Almost did. Go man. Almost brought some kind of justice. But... Damn. Barrett said a preliminary examination indicated that Dennis DePew died of a bullet wound that entered his mouth and came out the back of his head. And he said, quote, that means it was a suicide because our bullets would not have gone in that direction. Uh, he also said that the van was full of clothes and boxes and our bullets were not getting to him. He said an officer rushed the van when the shooting stopped and opened the driver's side door only to find Dennis DePew dead with the .357 in his left hand and the thumb on the trigger. Mm. And, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Um, Dennis was buried at a cemetery far the fuck away from his wife's, like in a different state. So he's buried in Indiana. She's in Michigan. And, yeah, it was theorized that this whole crime inspired the opening scene of Jeepers Creepers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they kind of followed that to a T. Just based on the couple's experience with it, that was 100% the opening scene. Yeah. Well, 90, 90% the opening scene. <sighs> oh, man. I can't... I'm still, like, surprised that he made it a year. 
And just like, yeah, fucking way to go to Unsolved Mysteries. I loved that show. And yeah. they helped solve the mystery. They brought attention to it. And I can't, it was that day. That's just freaking amazing. Hmm. I just think that the parallels are really interesting with the movie. Yeah, they really are because of that scene being so close to what happened in the movie. So, like, the only differences are, like, the van that he drove was, like, a 1980s van of the time. 1984 Chevrolet van. And in the movie, it was very much, like, an antique 1940s, like, iron beast of a truck. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Truck van thing that just was made to look scary as hell. Yeah. Oh, I remember when we first listened to... um, I think I can't remember the podcast, but we heard an episode where someone had also brought up, you know, Dennis DePew. And we were just like, okay, like this sounds like a really interesting case because it happened in Michigan. And just as we were talking about that and they were talking, describing the vehicle, there was a really sketchy looking Jeepers Creepers truck in front of us. Do you remember that when we were pulling off on the side to a gas station? And I was, I, okay. I remember an asshole car being an asshole on the road while we were listening to oh, it. yes. I just wanted to give you guys all a life pro tip that if someone is following you, you know, they're tailgating you really hard. <laughs> if you have wiper fluid and you're on the highway, <laughs> if you just turn on your wipers, it'll actually splash. So it'll go from like your car and all the momentum of the force driving back because you're on the highway, it'll splash right on their windshield that about 95% of the time I've seen people turn on their wipers too because, mm-hmm. and then they slow back down because they realize that, you know, but that, that, that woman was fucking crazy. She was. And then it you was wiper a, it was fluided a teen- her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a teenage driver. And then she cut us off in between a semi. So that was our high-speed chase while listening to Jeepers Creepers, Dennis DePew. Hopefully you guys don't have that experience of getting run off the road by a teenage driver that mm. you, you know, just shot. Uh, wiper fluid at. Yeah, wiper fluid at. <laughs> <laughs> cuts you off like in front of a semi. Such a wholesome, like, troll while driving. Thank you. I learned from the best. I learned from Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Reddit. Thanks, Reddit. <laughs> uh, there's actually some other things that I've learned. I'll I'll share them along the way. I can't think of any right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is a that is a pretty interesting case. I gotta say. I mean, that, I I still like I keep going back to the kids. That just like way to ruin their lives. You know, or hopefully it didn't ruin their lives. Hopefully they were able to go on and have successful lives. But to have to go through that kind of trauma, like, what the fuck? Man. Well, Dennis DePew, you are hurting nobody else ever again. Because you're done. You're mashed potatoes now. Full on mashed potatoes. Instant mash. (laughs) (laughs) Yo. Wow. Wow. I'm getting some bad visuals. (laughs) (laughs) um on that note on that note (laughs) thank you all for listening thank you for coming back and like literally listening to (laughs) mashed potato brains yeah (laughs) uh you can find us on facebook and instagram at your spooky neighbors 
If you have a listener tale, you can email us, yourspookyneighbors at gmail.com. Please share some stories with us. We would love to share them on the podcast. Yes. Spooky stories. Please do it. Hometown crime stories. If you like the content, be sure to like, share, subscribe, give us a review. We appreciate any type of feedback that you may have. And we will see you next week. We hope that you come on back and crack a cold one with your spooky neighbors. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.